0: Welcome to the Nobody's Podcast, a Dead Men Podcast. Dead Men exists to equip disciples of Jesus and grow church leaders.
1: Hey guys, welcome to the Nobody's Podcast on the Dead Men Network, deadmenstuff.com. My name is Taylor Daniel. Uh, I'm going to be your host on this magical tour of really just what ministry is. Uh, It's just going to take a second and say this podcast is motivated by a desire to help you see a more holistic view of what ministry is. We're trying to get people from big churches, small churches, um, from Presbyterian uh, churches and Baptist churches, Anglican churches, and everywhere in between. We're trying to give you a broad sweep of the things God is doing for His kingdom in the United States right now and potentially around the world. Um, Ministry, it's a beautiful thing to see um, the work of a John Piper or a Matt Chandler or whoever your favorite theologian is, but uh, it's really worth our time to peel back the layers and look at the work being done on the ground by a bunch of people who aren't famous and aren't going to be remembered. They're just faithful. So that's the project we're on. Really happy to have you guys joining us for it. Let's get going. Okay, uh welcome to the podcast, Mr. Scott Garrison. You are the first guest on the Nobody's podcast. Baby, how you feel? I feel privileged, I think. <laughs> I think you I mean other than the name, there's no reason you shouldn't feel privileged. I right. Think. I was like, uh the name itself. <laughs> yeah, you were talking to your kid, you're like, "Be proud of your be proud of your daddy. He's on Nobody's."
2: That's right he is a nobody.
1: (laughs) So Scott is a pastor, um, currently residing in, uh, scenic Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Mm. I am from Memphis, which is uh, my preferred Tennessee destination, but it's a beautiful state all over. So, uh, (laughs) Yeah. yeah, man, how's, how's Nashville? Is it getting a little cold?
2: Uh, it is cold. I'm, I'm actually surprised yesterday how cold it was. I was like, wow, it's Nashville. It's not supposed to be this cold, but, um, yeah, it's not bad. It's, uh, growing like crazy here in Nashville we're about to get the big Amazon thing and um, y'all did get an
1: tra- Amazon thing
2: yeah so apparently I don't and I and I hope Amazon doesn't like come after me for saying this but apparently um, they're supposed to we're actually supposed to get like one of their major hubs or something in downtown Nashville mm. what where lifeway used to be like lifeway owned 14 acres in downtown Nashville wow and they yeah they built a new like they built this really fancy building, and they sold that property, and I guess whoever bought it sold it to Amazon, or sold part of it to Amazon. And so they're mm-hmm. they're knocking down a bunch of stuff on 14 acres in downtown Nashville, and um, wow, gonna put gonna put some sort of big Amazon
1: shindig thing there. That's some prime real estate, man. My goodness. <laughs> uh, yeah,
2: I, I don't even want to know how much it costs because yeah. I know how much houses cost here. So if if a house cost half a million dollars you know sitting on like a 3 quarters of an acre lot i can only imagine what amazon paid for that property in the middle of downtown oh
1: yeah yeah no dude that's crazy um yeah so <laughs> You know, now viewers know a little more about Nashville as well. Um, but yeah, this is the Nobody's Podcast, and we're just getting you on because, man, you got a lot of uh, ministry experience, but you also got a lot of life experience, man. You have a pretty diverse story. What uh, people don't know by way of background is that um, Scott actually has been a guest already on a Phantom episode, Lost uh, to All But God, um, due to some re- egregious recording errors, Um on the part of me and or my computer and or, uh, covenant eyes and or there's three or four suspects. So, um, but anyway, yeah. So Scott, if you wouldn't mind rehashing, just give us a little bit of that life story, man. Oh,
2: let's see. Um, well, uh, raised by, um, raised by missionary parents, um, went to high school in, in Kenya Uh, Came back to the United States for college. Uh, When I finished college, I began my law enforcement career um, at the fresh young age of 23 years old. Two days after my 23rd birthday, I was sworn in. Uh, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. None. That's insane. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, 23 years old, grew up on the, uh, spent, well, the formative years on the African continent, and then all of a sudden, you know, was like thrust into this. Uh, crazy like really inner city urban environment um in the mid nineties and you know we were in the in the throes of the drug war and uh there was dope everywhere and people getting shot and people getting stabbed and I was like, what's happening right now um so yeah, the decade of my twenties well actually the I'd say from about twenty three to thirty was a pretty rough like really brutal sort of education for me about the realities of life um, mm-hmm. so i I drank a lot and because uh, I didn't know really how else to deal with anything that was happening around me yeah. um, and and things that I was doing too so it's you know it was it was both ways it was violence that I was witnessing and violence that I was using um, I mean under the color of law I wasn't like you know just like going out and yeah. like doing crazy stuff. I was, I was a police officer. So, you know, I got in fights and there was a couple of shootings and, you know, some things like that. so, uh, around the age of 29, my older sister, she was 17 months older than me. Um, she suddenly died. Hmm. And, um, I kind of, I, I can look back on it now and go, well, that was the beginning of God calling me to himself. Um, I was not a Christian at the time. I, if you would have asked me if I was a Christian, I would have said yes because I believed in God. Right.
1: You know, it's like, well, I believe in God, so. It's basically yeah. the American litmus test. Yeah. That's right.
2: That's right. So therefore, I must be a Christian. Um, and so, I, I would have I would have claimed to be a Christian. You know, because when I was like eight, I got baptized and, you know, prayed the sinner's prayer. That's what. That's the formula, right? Pray the mm-hmm. sinner's prayer, yeah. get dunked, and you're good to go. Um, and so, so that had happened to me, but it really didn't mean anything. And, you know, um, so again, around the age I was 29, just for my 30th birthday, my sister died. And, uh, and everything changed for me. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I, all of a sudden, I began to go, what's happening, you know? So, uh, went through a process of about three years there where, um, I was married and divorced. Um, to my first wife and shortly after my first wife and I divorced, I was 33 when we divorced. Um, I began to, I, well, I got invited to a Bible study group, uh, because I, I, I finally went to church (laughs) after probably 10 years of, of not even remotely being interested in anything to do with Christianity. Uh, I woke up one Sunday morning and went to church and, uh, it's funny, I was working, uh, I was an active undercover narcotics detective at the time. Wow. So, yeah, I hadn't had a haircut or shaved in close to two years, and I looked bad. And uh, walked into this super upper crust kind of church on the northeast side of Indianapolis, and uh, totally not my kind of gig, you know what I mean? But yeah. it, was, it was like, I mean, it was, uh, there's nothing wrong with the church. I mean, they, you know, they were sort of preaching from the Bible. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, they read a text of scripture and then, really? and then he preached, and then he preached on something else. And I was like, what are we talking about? But anyway, um, what did happen was I got invited to a Bible study group by some men that I met there at the church. And I, I didn't go to the Bible study group much, but two other things happened. Number one, those men began to pursue me and to pursue a relationship with me. Um, and which I thought was weird at the time. And, and then number two, I began to read the Bible. Yeah. Um, and so from those men like pursuing me and inviting me into a relationship with them, and my own reading of Scripture, I came to faith in Christ. Um, primarily through reading of Scripture, yeah. I and mean, those men were they were good friends, and they still are to this day. But um, but it was it was the Word that that converted me. Yeah. Um, that's, that's so,
1: powerful, man. And, and, and it's also a good testimony of among the reasons you should be nice to, uh, you know, people and welcoming when they come into your church and visit, like they might be, you know, an undercover narco officer who needs a yeah, hug, you know?
2: Yeah. Like I, like I walked into that church, man. And I was like, I was wearing a, a, like an ACDC t-shirt, you know, and ripped up blue jeans and, um, long beard and hair and tattoos and, Um, everybody in there was dressed super nicely and, and I did not fit in. People stared at me a lot, but they weren't, they weren't unfriendly. Just nobody talked to me. (laughs) Oh yeah. Except those two guys. Um, and so anyway, so I, I came to, I came to faith in Christ, um, at the age of 34, um, left undercover work about a year or so after that. Um, I just couldn't square what I was doing with, with my faith anymore, um, I was more concerned with telling people about Jesus than I was locking them up for you know dealing cocaine. Right, um, and that got me into trouble a couple of times. I had some personality, well not personality. <laughs> I had some conflicts with a couple of supervisors, uh, and then I was ordered to do um, an undercover. Um, we did vice investigations also. I was I was ordered to do an undercover prostitution case, and I refused to do it. Wow. Um, because to do that would have meant, you know, putting myself in a morally compromising position yeah. with a prostitute. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And my Lieutenant was like, well, no, you will. I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> so, yeah. um, it was time to go at that point. I was like, yeah, it's time for me to go. Um, cause I'm not prepared to do the things that I may be required to do. So I cut my hair and shaved my beard and put a uniform back on and went back to patrol and I got involved. I got involved with the parachurch ministry there in Indianapolis, and began to do some speaking at some of their events. And some of those guys began to encourage me to consider pastoral ministry. So I was like, "No, I'm not going to do that."
1: Um, uh, that's then, just, just too scary compared to being a undercover <laughs> yeah. uh, cop.
2: Right. I'd, I'd rather somebody shoot at me than yeah. <laughs> than then get send you, you an email right preach.
1: after your sermon. I mean, that's harsh. Dude. That's right. That's
2: right. So my wife Laura and I met about that time. And uh, we began to date. Uh, she was actually sort of the same, had a very similar story to mine. She was raised Roman Catholic, uh, was kind of was converted through uh, reading God's word. Um, and for her, like me, it was sort of a gradual process. You know, it mm-hmm. wasn't like it wasn't like we didn't have an Apostle Paul moment. You know, where like Jesus showed up and knocked us off our horse. It yeah. was like a gradual kind of coming to all of a sudden we were like both of us and her later a little bit later on than me, but both going, Oh my gosh,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
2: Jesus, Jesus is who he says he is. Yeah. Um, so, um, so anyway, so that was kind of how I came to faith and then, um, left law enforcement because I believe yeah. that God was indeed calling me to ministry and
1: yeah, I'd say as an aside, and, I, but, I think that's, um, sorry to cut you off. I, I think that's, no, um, fine. that's really cool. I mean, all of that is awesome, but it's also really nice to hear um, you and your wife both speak of, you know, not the Saul to Paul, you know, like, Mm -hmm. moment. Um, Because this is a little outdated when I say this, but a lot of preaching and a lot of uh, focus in Christian circles really is on the immediate and the, like, the intense, miraculous conversion, the moment. And it almost, uh, I think it's much more normal for people to be on a spectrum, especially Mm -hmm. in a culture in Mm -hmm. which people increasingly approach christianity from the vantage point of you guys aren't loving enough you aren't kind enough and so it's going to be unlearning some uh (laughs) non-truth those are lies i guess uh and then uh you know from there moving to seeing it gradually as compelling and stuff like that so i think that's cool to uh hear that that was y'all's experience
2: yeah yeah i would agree with that i'd agree with that
1: yeah uh but yeah anyway so then you went to seminary and uh you ended up wait um you were pastoring, this is kind of like Acts 29, like non-denoms initially?
2: So, no, we actually moved to Indianapolis to plant a church. Um, and um, things did not go well <laughs> with that. Uh, we gave it the old college try for about 15 months. Right. We had one we had one public worship service. Um, and then, you know, kind of in the 11th hour, getting ready to officially launch, and things just kind of fell apart. Um We were running out of money, you know, Um, and so we had a second child on the way and I was like, man, I got to have a, I got to have a J-O-B that's going to feed my family. So, um, so yeah, we, the, like the team, we had sort of a a core team beginning to form and church planning is hard, man. Um, And people started to backpedal um, and, you know, things just, things just fell apart.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, that's, (laughs) uh, we got a podcast to talk about different types of ministry, but that is kind of the undercurrent in a lot of things is it's just, it's a risky business, especially if you're, you know, sold out to certain ideas where you can't, you know, tickle ears and you aren't really, you know, it's, it's not like other markets, you know, you're not, you're not incentivized or, uh, given permission really to like be as, um, consumer friendly as possible in ways. So.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, and then, and then as a follow-up to that, so I worked in sort of the secular world for about a year after that, uh, and then this church in Nashville um, called me to be their pastor about a little bit over a year ago. Uh, and to your point, it was an Acts 29 non-denominational church, sort mm-hmm. of um, quasi-reformed, you know, um, Calvinistic in its soteriology. Uh, the guy that had planted the church originally was Presbyterian. Um you know, their bylaw by corner their bylaws, they operated as a Presbyterian church, a plurality mm-hmm. of elders, that sort of thing. Uh but mostly populated by former Baptists, uh, you know, former Church of Christ folks and a couple of Presbyterians. Um and then me who was sort of walking uh the path toward Anglicanism. Mm-hmm. Um oh, I so didn't know was... if I
1: could out you but you've outed yourself. Okay. You can, you can.
2: <laughs> I just did. So um yeah we sort of uh we were sort of all walking this sort of path together and um, and then um, it was a small church, only about 40 people, um, mm-hmm. and we, we talked really early on about replanting. In fact, during the process, sort of the vetting process of them vetting me, we talked you know, very openly about potentially having to replant and move the church, and, and that's indeed what we attempted to do, mm-hmm. uh, and then things it kind of fell apart in that also.
1: <laughs> yeah. Real quick, can you describe, um, can you define rather what replanting is? Because I think some people planting a church, but then what is replanting?
2: Yeah. So, f- and I'll just give you what I kind of look at as replanting. So basically we were, uh, when, when you have a struggling, con- struggling and small congregation like we were, um, especially for us, and, and I'm going to give you our specific context, we were gathering for worship in a neighborhood where none of us lived. Oh yeah. Uh, there was one family that lived in that neighborhood, um, and so it, it, for for us, the, the the idea of replanting was let's move the church. Number one, closer to where most of us live, so that we're not commuting into a neighborhood in which none of us live. Uh, and then number two, let's move the church to a part of the city where no one is doing any sort of really. Uh, church planting work that has a desperate need for a gospel preaching, Bible believing church, and let's move it there and um, and see you know what can happen. Um, and that was what we attempted to do. We were, I was trying to make it more geographically friendly. Number one for our membership um, because you can't you can't reach your neighbor. And invite them to come and worship with you if you're driving into another part of the city. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, what? Why would I ask my neighbor that lives in and these are neighborhoods in Nashville, so this isn't going to mean anything to you. But why would I invite my neighbor that lives in Creve Hall mm-hmm. to drive into the city? You know, and uh, and and meet in Edge Hill. Like, right. why would I do that? It, if if I'm in Creve Hall, I'm going to be like, why would I drive? why would I do that? Um, so, so the, the thought was, is let's, let's geographically, first of all, relocate it Mm -hmm. to where it makes more sense for our membership, um, to be able to reach their neighbors. And then, you know, and then we'll see what, what, what fruit comes from that.
1: Yeah. Wow. Um, so you were saying it, it kind of ended up turning upside down and failing. Um, that's, uh, that's still pretty recent and that's pretty intense, man. Um, I don't know. You just want to speak to I mean two times now. Uh you got some thoughts, man? Cuz I, I this is it's a podcast about uh, ministry and I think uh it's so easy to look yeah. at the John Pipers and the all these and God bless, you know, uh both successful church planners and just successful pastors who are Absolutely. passionate, but it's like, you know, the underside of things is uh for every one of those there's probably a struggling church plant in your area, you know. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. So, you know, I I really got passionate about this a couple of years ago when things fell apart for us in Indy and 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 that's sort of the soft like you're saying, sort of the soft underbelly of church planting and replanting. Like what happens to those pastors and those planters? Um those mm-hmm. men that God has called and that, you know, these churches have sent out to go and plant or replant. Mm-hmm. What happens to those men and what happens to their families when things, not because of moral failure, not because of, you know, anything that they did wrong necessarily, but what happens when things just fall apart? Because the reality of church planting in the United States is more plants fail than succeed. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, but we don't see that, right? We Because you don't write blog posts, right. you know, about about a failed church plant. You don't, I mean, I do, but... Uh, I was going to say, <laughs> church planting organizations it, it, I should say right like like acts 29 um, and for all their success then they have a they have a very high success rate uh, but for for all the success of, of an organization like acts 29 or the North American Mission board or you know sojourn or all these other church planting networks out there for all the success that they have they they also have a lot of failures too mm-hmm. uh, and nobody talks about that much. And, and so kind of my thing over the last couple of years has been as, as, as the church and I, you know, big C church, as the church, whenever we, um, whenever we, we affirm, um, you know, a, a family's calling to go and plant a church and we send that brother and his family out, uh, to plant or replant and things fall apart, not because of moral failure, not because of you know, anything like that, but just because church planting is just hard stuff and it doesn't work all the time. Like, I think we owe it to those brothers and sisters that are on, you know, the front lines, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, we owe it to them to pick them up, you know, at the end of when something falls apart, like we gotta, we gotta bring them back, you know, and give them a place to serve, give them a paycheck, you know, and, and because I'm telling you, man, when things, like what happened here in Nashville with us and in Indy, when things fall apart, the first thing that you think of is, is how am I going to feed my family? Right. Like, yeah, I want to preach the gospel and I believe that God's called me to this, but I got, you know, I got two kids to feed. I got a wife that, you know, like we got medical needs. We've got, I mean, we got, we got a family to provide for. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Man, that's crazy. and, and, (laughs) And
2: nobody, nobody really talks about that. You know what I'm saying? And so I, you know, I, maybe, maybe this can, maybe, you know, a good podcast can start getting some people kind of talking about this yeah. and going, Hey, we, you know, we need to do something for these brothers other than just say, Hey, you know, go work at Walmart now. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> you do,
1: do you think it's um sort of, I mean, I'm curious, uh, what do you think are some of the roots of us not talking about it? Do you think there's a degree to which we just don't really want to focus on failure in general in sort of the Christian blogosphere and things like this and the sort of positive encouraging, you know, uh, music vibes and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I th- tried to not name drop there. I had to stop. Yeah, that. I think uh, <laughs> I
2: think we I think we live in a culture right now, even even in the church, where you know we talk a lot about the the quote unquote victorious Christian life, but we don't talk about the really hard struggles also of the Christian life. You know, what I'm saying like we don't mm-hmm. really spend a lot of time like saying, man, like for the pastors that are hanging in there and. That, that are pastoring you know faithfully and a successful church whatever that means yeah you um, used
1: air quotes just there listeners yes I
2: did use air quotes <laughs> if you can't see, you can't see me but I, I love air quotes and so you know for those quote unquote successful churches uh, even those pastors are struggling um, mm-hmm. with issues in their lives and, and I, you know I just think that one of the things that can speak to our culture is, is, in a more effective way is if we're just really honest, with ourselves as believers and, you know, as the church, if we'll just be really, really honest about even our failures and say, man, Mm -hmm. like we, we messed up right there. Like we, maybe we sent that brother out too early, you know, maybe he wasn't ready or maybe, um, maybe we even need to admit that, Hey, if, if a guy that we sent out from no fault of his own, if something fails then we need to say, hey, we failed you somehow. Let's bring you back. Let's take care of you. And let's, you know, you know what I mean? Like,
1: I just... Yeah, yeah. There's a motif, a, a biblical motif of just belonging to one another. Um, mm. And the language, the family language is so perfunctory in our usage, but it's it's not at all in the scriptural usage. And, uh, you yeah. know, some of the problems you see in those pastoral epistles seem to be rooted in communities that are very close, not the kind of problems you get for communities that are not very close, so it's it, kind of what you say when you turn them out, and then it's like, well, sink or swim, you you can't come back to the nest. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and I I mean,
2: even Paul seemed to, you know, even his church planting ventures, even Paul had sort of a place he could go back to. Yeah. You know, like he could go back and regroup and and, and get sort of, you know, encouraged and um, preach. equipped and sent back out. So, so even, even, you know, even the great apostle Paul— um, needed to be encouraged and renewed. So, yeah. yeah.
1: Wow. Man, that's, that's helpful. That's, um, yeah, that's just crazy The the concept of failure and I, and I guess it's, um, Boy, you know, just to be called deeper into the Christian life, as a pastor or as a lay person, is to uh, mm. is to realize that God will start messing around with your stuff. Um, but uh, <laughs> yes, but wow, you know, crazy. I think
2: I think too. Just a quick little comment to piggyback off what we've been talking about. I think another thing that that churches and denominations and church planting organizations can and should do um, for their planters, pastors, and all that is to provide counseling services. Mm. Um, it, success or failure. Um, to provide counseling services that are paid for by either the church, either the sending church, or you know if their church is large enough that they can afford it. Uh, my wife and I—I I mean, I'll, I'll just—I'm gonna—I'm gonna tell you like it is. When things kind of fell apart for us here in Nashville, man, we hit the bottom. I mean, right. like you like you said, we were over two. Um, and man, when you when you have stuff like that happen to you, like real. Honest, raw, painful emotions come to the surface, and those things have to be dealt with um, in a in a christ honoring way, but also in a really really human way mm-hmm. um, and so we I, I, what we were fortunate was is when part of the severance package that this church in Nashville gave me was they paid for six months of counseling wow for my wife and I, um, and what a gift and what a blessing that has been for us. Um, you know, so let me just encourage pastors. If any of you are listening, church planters, success or failure, um, find a biblical counselor who can help you and, and man, you need counseling.
1: Yeah, (laughs) You need it. That is ooh, that is a big thing. Um, I'm I'm really glad you interject to say that. And I will also say, as a student at Covenant Seminary, that we're churning a whole lot of them out. So if you're a church and you're looking for some people, especially in the St. Louis area, um, mm. hit us up, baby. We got you. But uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's huge. I I have a few more questions for you, but I yeah. got I got to take a break. You know this because we had the Phantom episode. Uh, yes. We got to take a break and do a lightning round. So uh, yeah. are you game for that? Yeah. It's, it doesn't have that's to be fair. one sentence, but you you know like. Just give me your thoughts, uh, DC I'll or Marvel? Marvel. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's that's hard to argue at this point. All right. This is a <laughs> uh, waffle house. Yes or no? Have I been drinking? <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I guess that's a very uh, relevant qualification.
2: Yeah. Um. Sorry. <laughs> I, I'm. Um, no. I'm gonna say no.
1: Oh, he's going to say no. He's wearing a CrossFit shir- CrossFit shirt. You guys uh I am Yeah. Um okay, wow, dude, that's a okay, quick sidebar. Did you see the article about the guy uh who was drunk and went to a Waffle House in like South Carolina and the employees were all asleep, so they went behind the counter and made his food? <laughs> I didn't see that. Uh, you should Google that. He took pictures and selfies and all that. He made the food, and then he came in the next day, and he paid for it. And That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it was only a wildfire All right, so, so it's a yes right. for me, if you can guess. I'm speaking from the heart. Um, right. Favorite, uh, you got a favorite contemporary writer? You could do fiction and nonfiction if you want to separate them. Or... I, contemporary, no. You're a classics guy. You're an Anglican. You're a classics guy. Yeah, I'm an old school guy. I like reading old dead guys. Oh, da- well, I mean, you are on the right podcast of, of the right website of the right network. Yeah. <laughs> we we love old dead guys, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, and you got any uh, podcast or TV wrecks or movie wrecks?
2: Uh, I don't watch TV because I don't have cable. Um, That's very uh, Nashville
1: pod- of you. That's good.
2: Well, no, I just don't want to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> um I stream Netflix. The only show that I watch um, on Netflix, like, religiously, is The Blacklist. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Raymond Reddington. Love that show. That's my jam. Um, I'm, not, would, I'm podca- not
1: certain that he's actually a good actor. I think he might just be Raymond Reddington.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, I've seen James Spader and several other things, and he was terrible, but he's been awesome in this show. Um, podcasts. Um, I, the, I, the White Horse Inn is the only podcast that I have listened to on a regular basis for quite a while. Um, that's Michael Michael Horton. Horton. Yeah. Yes. Michael Horton and friends has been really, really good for me. I've listened to some others kind of off and on. Um, I'm listening to one right now. That's actually pretty cool. Um, I can't remember the name. Hang on. I may lose your uh, your picture here, but I just want to look it up because I want to make sure I
1: get it. Oh, that's this. fine. Uh we're we're right. high tech here at uh, nobody isn't at Deadman generally. So we are uh FaceTiming on a on an iPhone and uh, talking into right. some mics.
2: Um Pints with Aquinas. Pints is with one, Aquinas? Yes, is one that I've recently gotten turned on to. Um it's the the most of the people on it, actually all the people so far that I've heard on it are Roman Catholic. So if you if you you know believe that the Roman Catholic Church is is demon possessed or whatever, then you're not going to like it. But um, I actually find the conversation to be really compelling.
1: Yeah. Um, so so pints with Aquinas. Um, you are really opening the door for the Anglican detractors who want to say that you're just like a foofy Catholic who can't go right? away. Yeah. I know, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that's that's probably uh, that's, I, at this point I should just tell people on the podcast I am Anglican too. So this is a bit of home cooking we got going over. Nice. There. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Next question. Next uh, question. That's that's all I had for the lightning round. Oh great. I think. Okay. Um. Yeah. No. That's that's all I got right now. Um, cool. But yeah, dude. Um. I I think we covered a lot of ground. Uh, I was just kind of transitioning, I guess, back uh, in and asking a question. Um, We've talked about failure. We've talked about sort of the church background and how that plays into it, how we preach and teach and how we um, worship and sort of the conditioning we do for ourselves. But I guess I would just kind of ask generally, um, yeah, what is one major thing that you think is missing or maladapted in the American church broadly? This is a broad... broad scheme question, but is there, if there were one thing that you could flip the switch and instill or change in sort of broad American evangelical mm. Christianity? Wow, that's a good question.
2: Um, now, I'm not referring to specific denominations here or even churches that maybe you and our, you or I would tend, but the broad sort of, you know, American, squishy Protestant church, I would say... Um, expository preaching Mm -hmm. um we we need a return um in the american church to preaching the pure word of god um yeah you know amongst guys like you and i and the circles that we run in that tends not to be a problem um but but the lion's share of american churches don't preach the pure word of god yeah um and we and that that needs
1: to happen yeah yeah, wow. That's he, I, okay, I have a personal question for you right now that I'll ask on air. Is a bit of, uh, if anybody doesn't know, the lectionary um, in the Anglican mm-hmm. tradition is basically just um, readings. I think I think Cranmer originally wrote it, right? Um, mm-hmm. But uh, it's, it's in line with the Book of Common Prayer, and it's like, if you go to church, there will be Old Testament readings, New Testament readings, Gospel readings, um, uh, all of that stuff, and if you just go for a number of years, you're going to hear pretty much all the Bible read, and that's the beauty of it. But a lot of times people preach, preach from the lectionary? Do you uh, do you do that sometimes? And then you expository preach through a whole book at other times? How do you kind of vary that up? Because I've thought about Uh, that.
2: Yes and yes. So what I did was I preached from the lectionary um, during certain times of the year. So for example, during um, Lent, um, during Easter. We're in Advent uh, right now. Right, we're in Advent right now. So during during specific times of the year. Now, keep in mind, I was at a non-denominational church, so it was not an Anglican church, mm-hmm. and so I, I I didn't go full bore yeah. um, with lectionary preaching during those certain times. But what I did was I would do I would do short series because I was trying to introduce them um, to the concept of the lectionary to liturgy um, to sacramental you know worship. I was trying to introduce that to them. So. Uh, what I did was during Advent, I did, um, I think it was a three to four weeks Advent series. I did like a short little two-week Christmas series. Um, for those of you not a part of um, the the Anglican tradition or liturgical traditions, Christmas starts on Christmas Day. Right. Not before then. Right. Um, <laughs> thus the 12 days of Christmas. But anyway, so I preached a short little series like that one during Lent uh, but mostly I preached through books of the Bible. So I preached through Ephesians. I was in the process of preaching through Exodus. Um, uh, I preached through Philemon. That was, that was different.
1: Yeah. Quick advertisement. Uh, you can do Philemon in one sermon and I was, I'm in seminary as I think you guys are picking up on. And, uh, you can. Uh <laughs> yeah, and uh not only can you do that, but uh we went over it in class recently and talking about that theme we were talking about about belonging to one another and things. Mm-hmm. Uh Philemon Philemon's got some dynamite in there, don't don't, yes, don't sleep on Philemon. That's right. It was
2: it was a fun series to preach. I think I did it I think I just did like a little two week series. Yeah uh, through Philemon. Okay, uh, now
1: now you're coming off really... reformed, you know. I said you could do it in one, you're like, but why if you could do it in twelve, in you know? <laughs> Right. Why would you preach in one sermon what you can do in twenty? Exactly. Exactly. Oh man. No, that's 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 awesome. The uh, the expository preaching um, I think is a huge huge element. Um, yeah. 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 That's cool. And uh, squishy Protestantism. I feel like we got to work that into our vocabulary collectively. I'm I'm going to put it in the dictionary. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to file for a patent or something. And oh man, there you go. You've got your new job. You're a, you're a <laughs> right. dictionary editor. Oh gosh, I'm sure we don't need those anymore. Oh man, um, well, dude, yeah. Scott, it's been awesome having you, man. I think uh, yeah, I think right. we're approaching the end of our time here, but obviously cool. once we once we get this off the ground a little more, we we got to have you back once you once you get your mega church in, in order and you know um, cause you guys have been listening. That's that's where he's headed. Um, yeah, right. I think you'd, I think you do well with the private plane. You know, I think you could go back to Africa and have a good time.
2: Bro, I would love to go back to Africa, but not on
1: a private plane. <laughs> uh, all right, all right. Well, you know, to each his own. I'm, I'm, I'm gunning for it. You know. All right. <laughs> yeah, I became Anglican for the the fame aspect, really, and also I just, yeah, I think dresses compliment me. I think it's, uh, you know,
2: I'm good with robes, man. I think I think if you can rock the cassock, you absolutely should.
1: Hey, hey, it's it's you know it can cover up some girth. In the winter and, uh, you know, keep you humble if you got a 6 pack. <laughs> is, black, is,
2: black is slimming.
1: Yeah, black is the new black. Um, That's right. So <laughs> you guys should be Anglican. But uh, I, I didn't intend for this to become an advertisement for my denomination. We're going to be doing, you know, all of these different uh, churches and denominations. We're trying to get a variety of people, but I am very happy that it became so self-serving. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, Scott, uh, thank you so much, I guess. Um, do you have a personal website or anything we can plug now?
2: Uh, say that again, you broke up a little bit.
1: Do you have a personal website, or do you have like an Instagram page or anything like that? Or
2: um, I do, so I have a blog site that um, I write on some. It's called preacherinked.com. Oh, okay, because you got uh, the tats. Yes, I have a few tattoos.
1: Okay, I am actually um, about to get get a tattoo for the first time, so. Uh, I think you should. I
2: think you should get lots of tattoos. I'm gonna I get like a Hebrew.
1: Tattoos. I'm gonna get a Hebrew tattoo, and uh, I like Hebrew. I like it a little more than Greek. I like them both, but I like Hebrew a little more because it feels like uh, Sudoku. Um, you know, <laughs> with language. I hated Hebrew. It's like a puzzle. I, it's awesome, but uh, I hated Hebrew. And I'm then, Hosea uh, eleven eight, and. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. Um, how can I give you up, Ephraim? I'm going to get that part because Hosea 11, 8 is, uh, there's some dynamite in them hills too. Yeah, bro. I'm mixing um, illustrations. Yeah, you are. It's okay. <laughs>
2: um, so yeah, preacherinc.com is sort of my blog site. I do some writing on there. Um you know, Lola little uh, PSA public service announcement here. If you don't like like super reality, <laughs> don't read my writing because I'm gonna tell you like it is.
1: Oh man, you strike me as like rainbow unicorn guy, but uh, I guess maybe yeah, maybe not. No. not gonna uh, and then yeah, I'm on I'm on Instagram.
2: Um, BS Garrison thirteen uh, is my handle on Instagram. I don't have. I mean I'm on Facebook too, but who isn't? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I I got rid of Twitter. One of the best decisions I ever made. Um, I got rid of Twitter. It was stressing me out. That's funny. And yeah. So I got rid of it.
1: Hey, hey, you know, listeners, take note. You should get rid of uh, everything except one platform to follow Dead Men on. That's the. Uh, there you go. That's the prerogative. But all right, dude, there Scott, you thank you so much. Hopefully, this episode, I think this one's going to make it. I feel.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, I feel uh, providential pleading and in our favor, and I think it's. Gonna Let's be hope great. so. All right, well, good, dude. It's been good talking to you, man, and
0: uh, we'll look forward to seeing you again soon. Right on, brother. You've been listening to The Nobody's Podcast. For more articles, ebooks, videos, and other Christ-centered resources like this one, please visit deadmenstuff.com. Email us at info at And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, please prayerfully consider donating to our Patreon campaign. You can find that at patreon.com slash deadmenstuff. This episode has been brought to you by The Implications of Faith by Craig Miller. Jesus saves... All that is required from us is faith, but what does it mean to have faith in Jesus? Is it simply to believe in Him and what He has done on our behalf, or is it something more? In The Implications of Faith, Craig Miller explores the necessary relationship between what we claim to believe and how we live our lives. If you're interested in this book, please go to Amazon.com, and you can order both paperback and Kindle versions. Uh, You can also visit DeadMenStuff.com.